0: Well, our week, Elizabeth and myself has not gone the way we planned. In fact, it's probably one of the worst weeks we've had for a very long while. Travel problems, stress, and we aren't in the clear just yet. Stay tuned to hear our story and more on this episode. My name's Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Thank you. and you're listening to
1: adventure rider radio
0: green chili adventure gear makes american-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all makes of motorcycles you can strap any dry bag to your bike and turn it into motorcycle luggage using their unique strapping systems their website greenchiliadv.com a hey, max bmw has four locations they've been outfitting adventure riders since 2002 They've got a load of parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door. They've got an incredible parts fiche online for you to look at and order your parts, look through exactly what you need. They've got an e rider newsletter that's free to sign up for. MaxBMW.com. MaxBMW.com. The tire pump that I have on my bike sits in a soft pannier and it's been crushed many times when the bike has been dropped on a hard surface. It's bent, it's dinted, it's really taken some abuse. It's called a cycle pump. Yep, the award-winning cycle pump made by Best Rest. Get one for yourself. Cyclepump.com Well, you know, it's not even guesswork. It's a proven fact that you will get more miles from your chain by oiling it regularly. Here's what you got to look at. The Motobreeze chain oiler. It's got no moving parts, got no electrical parts. It runs off of air pressure and it's got vacuum connections that take the oil down and deposit it onto a felt pad that goes directly onto your chain. An ounce of oil gets you a thousand miles or 1600 kilometers. Motobreeze.com. There's two eyes in there. Motobreeze.com. For the past five years around this time of year, the start of summer, we leave our seasonal rental home on the west coast of Canada and hit the road. We head across our vast country and end up at some point in Ontario to visit family, explore the the difficult trails of the east which I really like, go to some motorcycle events, and then eventually head back to the coast come fall. Now most years we travel with our jeep pulling our cargo trailer with Elizabeth, myself, our two faithful dogs all traveling together. Our trailer is sort of a lightweight version of a cargo trailer that we've converted into, I guess, what's commonly referred to as a toy hauler. Um, We built in a a fold-down bed, a kitchen, a sink. We put a couple of windows in. We got a table, um, all built with uh, cedar supplied from my, my buddy, Paul. We really like our home away from home. This thing doubles as a home, as protection from the weather. Um, It also hauls the motorcycle. The back folds down and we push the motorcycle up in or actually just ride the motorcycle up in, strap it in place. Uh, But most importantly, it's our rolling studio to produce Adventure Rider Radio and work on our, our audio programs. Now, we've spent many years crisscrossing this country with everything from vans to cars to motorcycle, um, and and we have had our share of breakdowns in those miles. But luckily for us, with my mechanical background and always having tools with us, we've managed to repair everything that went wrong on the side of the road, some fairly big as well. At roadside pullouts, or maybe we find a camp spot. Um, We've done things like axle joints and And had uh, minor transmission problems and carburetor rebuilds back in the day. I mean, there's been a bunch of things, but we've always been able to fix it and get back on the road. But this year, this year was different. This year, we had a load of things that we wanted to take out east with us. So we decided to buy an old, inexpensive pickup truck to haul all these things out with us. And we thought the advantage would be is that this pickup truck being a V8 is it can also haul the trailer the plan is elizabeth would drive the jeep i would drive the loaded pickup hauling our trailer now th- this was really going to be great because the jeep is is a v6 an anemic v6 i mean it feels more like a, a donkey pulling a cart sometimes than it does a highway vehicle but the pickup truck this was a ford f-150 with a 5.4 liter triton v8 oh yeah this is impressive stuff i think it's a, a 340 cubic inch it's got power uh, it, it could haul the, the load in the back and, and pull the trailer like a champ, going any speed I ask as I, ro- as I drove along with it. I don't even have uh, have to worry about it and without any hint of trouble. Well, that was day one. After a good day of driving down Vancouver Island, crossing on the big ferry, it's a two-hour crossing in the ferry to get to the mainland, and then up the mainland towards the mountains, we pulled into a stop in to, uh, just before a town called Hope which is at the base of the Coquihalla Highway. It's a place that we love to stop at when we're traveling through this area. And I was feeling really good about our progress. Uh, I got out of the truck thinking about how great this is going to work out, and my stomach sank. As I looked up by the road, there's a trail of oil from the road arcing around the same path that I took and stopping underneath the truck right where I stood. So I crawled underneath to have a look, and oil is gushing out of the front of the transmission. The front pump seal is blown, and that's something that I cannot reasonably repair at the side of the road. This this was big. So picture this. We've moved out of the house for the summer. We don't have a place to go back to. We just spent a full day and an expensive ferry trip hauling our stuff to that point, And now we sit with a load of stuff in the back of the pickup and a trailer that's also loaded to be hauled by the pickup with more power, not our light packing like we normally do to haul with the Jeep. To say it was stressful, I don't think fully communicates the situation. I mean, I've done a fair bit of work to the truck in preparation for this trip, including steering components, wheel bearings. Uh, I, worked in axles, I worked on the axles. I've worked on doing the box. And we gave it a lot of good runs in the months building up to our departure. And one of the reasons that we bought this truck in particular is because the guy that sold it to us said the transmission had been rebuilt uh, a little a year or so before he sold it to us. And I thought, perfect. At least I wouldn't have to worry about that. Now, I don't know about you, but for us, I think there's sort of a chain of emotions that follow something like this. First, it's like, why me? (laughs) Why now? And, you know, then this is a really bad situation. And then we get to the point where we lay all the options on the table and we start to discussing things and, and to see what we can do with what we've got and actually this goes back to my my wilderness training really um where is if you have a problem if you get injured or you get lost the first thing you do is stop and take stock you empty your pack out literally you empty your pack out you look at what you've got there and you say okay what do i have in my pack what do i have with me what can i do with what i've got and what are my options and that's what we did so we decided to sleep on it. We talked about some of our options. Day 2 early morning, I took the Jeep and I headed into town to get some transmission sealer. Now, this is the first time I've ever used what I would call is the equivalent of a snake oil cure. You know that saying, "Desperate measures for desperate times" or something like that anyway. Actually, I just thought it might seal the, the transmission up a bit so that we could get it somewhere to unload it. Meanwhile, Elizabeth got on the internet and she looked into shipping the load out to Ontario. Now, I, I got to jump back here for a second. Back in the wintertime, when we bought this truck, Elizabeth and I had agreed that, hey, if it didn't make it, it wouldn't be the end of the world because we didn't pay too much for the truck. We could make other arrangements, but it's, it's kind of funny how... It seems so simple and conceptual back then, but in reality, it doesn't feel quite that easy. You know, we'll just find another way. We moved pretty quick. Um, Elizabeth arranged uh, a small shipping container through U-Haul. Now, this is a pretty good program they've got at U-Haul, where you load um, this—it's a wooden container, really. They cover with a tarp, but it's roughly 8 feet by 5 feet by 7 feet, and you can ship it to any location, and it's it's a pretty reasonable cost— And it seemed a whole lot easier than trying to arrange a less than a load shipment, at least it did to us at the time. Now, with this box, apparently you can ship your motorcycle as well. That's what they say at U-Haul. I don't think I would do it because it doesn't have any proper tie-downs in it. And I don't know, I I just wouldn't trust it. But they say that you can do it. You just got to take the fluids out and they'll ship it. Meanwhile, we posted the truck for sale on the local markets, marketplace groups. And we soon had people responding to those ads. It was a good-looking truck. Um, We advertised it with the leaking transmission. But um, when I started it the next day, before I put the sealer in, the leak had completely stopped, even without that snake oil being added to it. So some internet searching... It showed that um, at least in, in one place, where the guy was saying this guy was a transmission rebuilder, he was saying that some people are, are are rebuilding these transmissions with a low grade seal, and that they, under extreme heat or high heat and load, they leak like crazy, and then they reseal again. So it turns out it looks like that's what had happened. Well, there was no way that was going to make it across the country, so we decided we were just going to continue on with our plan. Within a few hours. We had a couple come to look at the truck. Now, this is in a rest area. This is the type of place where you pull out on the side of the road for a snooze, use the washroom, you know, maybe some water on your face. This is where we are. These buyers that were interested in the truck, they loved it. They said it was just what they were looking for. They had a friend to help them with the transmission problem. So they slapped down a couple hundred bucks as a, a down payment and said they'll take it. We told them we have to take it back to Abbotsford, which is just outside Vancouver, to unload the stuff out of the back. And they said that was fine, no problem at all. So that was great. The truck was sold. It wasn't leaking now, but we didn't want to take a chance and drive the truck back because we were worried that it might start leaking and then actually damage the clutches in the transmission, which so far had been fine. Now we have BCAA, which is Roadside Assistance, so we called them up and arranged to have the truck put on a flatbed and hauled to the storage. Of course, there was some debate between the BCAA customer service rep and myself over the shipping or the hauling of the truck because they said they can't ship it to a storage unit. But I thought, well, how bizarre. But anyway, we, we got that sorted out. The tow truck came, hauled the pickup to the storage unit. When we got there, we found out we only had until late afternoon to get the truck unpacked and the container packed or we would miss our shipping window. So it's like this mass rush. It's hot. The sun is baking. Um, it was just one of those scenes. You know, you can imagine what it looked like. So very quickly, we got everything loaded in the container, but only as we started to finish up did we realize that we actually might be overweight with this container. So that added to our stress as we were finishing up. Luckily, we we came in under the maximum weight. Then we added the transmission fluid to the pickup um, and and the sealer and drove the pickup to meet the new buyers. They weren't there. That was added more stress to us. Are these people going to stand us up? They only gave us a couple hundred dollars. And when we pulled it in, the truck isn't leaking a drop. No oil at all so it's completely dry. Uh, It was wet from the old leak, but it wasn't dripping any more oil. 45 sweaty minutes later, they arrived. All was good. They got a break on a truck that they really needed. They loved it. And we got rid of something that would have cost us too much money and too much hassle to store and have to deal with afterwards. So, okay, all was good. Problem solved. And all that was done in one single day. We had emptied our load out of our truck into that shipping container bound from ontario we'd sold the truck and now we're ready to continue on our our adventure so off we went with the mule pulling the cart Uh, sorry i mean the jeep pulling the trailer now at this point i'm gonna have to jump back to last year's trip last year on the way back out here to the west coast the transmission in the jeep had this a little bit of a hiccup that is shifting a weird shifting thing it did just the once and that kind of freaked us out so that we went straight to the next town and we found a transmission shop and had a tech look at it. He looked at it and thought it was all fine. We were good to go. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong. So off we went. I think you can imagine where I'm headed here. <laughs> so so off we went. So, okay, now back to this trip here. Um, we've We've dumped the truck. We've dumped our load. We're off and running. A few hours on the road as we're headed along the hiccup happens again. So this hiccup that hadn't showed up since last year and only did it the once now shows up again on this trip after we've dealt with the truck with the transmission leaking and all of that. This is in our Jeep. It's a different vehicle. It's unbelievable, but it happens again. And then it happens again and it happens again. And finally we pull over and we realize we've got another huge problem here to deal with. So there we are at at the side of the road with now another major transmission problem only with a different vehicle. It's almost uh, unbelievable. I mean, it is unbelievable, really. Here we are. I think we're day four or something like that into the trip, and now our other vehicle has a transmission problem. So I'm going to leave this story right here, us on the side of the road. If you want to know what happens, stay tuned for the end of the episode. I'm going to give you the conclusion, well, at least the update where we are right now as we're recording so after everything we've been through in the last few days in the last week or so we got thinking about an episode that we did back in 2014 an interview from an episode with a fellow named don parsons who was suggesting using local forums to solve problems and to find information about places that he wanted to ride in often when you think of adventure, people are thinking of uh, riding around the world or or maybe across the country and always packing up your things on your motorcycle and heading off. But today we're going to look at a different kind of adventure. We have Don Parsons that resides in Alberta, but is currently actually in Ontario where we caught up with him. Don's a heavy equipment operator that's taken some time now in his life to go on a a different kind of adventure, a 400-day North American motorcycle ride, as Don puts it. And while planning this trip, Don stumbled across something that has become an incredible asset for him, and I'm certain will be for you, too. It's the local motorcycle farms. We're going to talk about that and the benefits of that when planning a trip. Good morning, Don. Good morning,
1: Jim. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: I'm happy to have you.
1: Tell us where you are now. I'm in uh Southern Ontario down around in the in the London area, just visiting some relatives down here i on this uh
0: motorcycle adventure. you've developed or or sort of planned out mapped out a four hundred day adventure that you're on right now. Tell us a little bit about that
1: well i uh it's, uh, it's upended. I started off uh, with a, another fella from our motorcycle form. uh we started back in may twenty eighth And it was just going to be for a a month and a half to two months upended. We'd planned on uh, jokingly that we were going to work our way towards Newfoundland in uh, Canada on the far east coast. And uh, we started out on the trip. We left uh, Alberta, like I said, May 28th, headed down to uh, Montana. And from there, we uh, we caught a few uh, wagon wheel rides, started zigzagging ourselves across the United States uh but earlier as we were planning this trip we were wondering gosh should we just take the bikes and some pup tents and pull this off in a couple of weeks and and both of us are in our mids uh, still young yet but we got thinking gosh if sleeping on the ground in a tent it's pretty tough going when you're at least for me and also the person i was traveling with and then we thought well maybe we'll take a pickup truck and we'll put the two bikes in the back and Finally, we were going to put a topper on there and bring the bikes on a trailer. But the last decision ended up being, well, if we're going to pack all this camping gear and all the luxuries that we need on a, on a trip by not staying in hotels and uh, to stay away from the tents uh, up here in Canada, of course, we were picturing that it was going to be raining a lot in the East Coast, that uh, we wanted to make sure we were comfortable. So it ended up being that we uh, decided to take a pickup truck, the two motorcycles in the truck and a, a small holiday trailer behind us, for accommodations. And it really opened up a lot of avenues, Jim. Uh, it gives us a chance to uh, stop anywhere we wanted to stop. Our gear would be dry. Uh, we'd have our own food. We were going to do our own cooking, which we did actually. And uh, from there, we just uh, worked, said, worked our way across uh, the United States, heading east, uh, caught quite a few areas along the way. But uh, it was a different way of traveling to uh, use a pickup truck and uh, go that route. We aren't causing extra wear and tear on the motorcycles for chains and tires and and one really positive thing that we've uh, noticed doing this trip this way was uh, opened up lots of avenues for wagon wheel rides and boy we've covered a lot of areas every time we would stop our trailer we would take off in all four different directions check out a state and then move on from there.
0: Most people would their immediate reaction to thinking, "Wow, well, you know, that's not really a motorcycle ride." But the thing is, what if you? And I think most people who listen to this have probably traveled it somehow or at some time in North America. The biggest problem we have in North America is, of course, the price of accommodations, and especially if you get into the places that are a little more remote. I know that people are reporting, you know, going into Alaska, it's a small fortune to pay for a hotel room. So all of a sudden, now you've got the a lot of advantages that outweigh or, or possibly outweigh or at least are, are certainly a consideration against the, the price of hotel rooms because you're towing your trailer and your accommodations with you.
1: Yep. That is correct. We'd uh, priced out the idea or thought up the idea of maybe 50% of the tenting, uh, 50% of the time staying in hotels. And then, of course, we said, well, if we run into rougher weather, maybe we should spend as much time as we can in tents. And then just on the uh, rainy days, stay in uh, hotels at that point. It, and and it, uh, yeah, it, it definitely crossed our minds to start off, like I said, directly with the bikes. Um, this friend of, of mine and myself we did quite a, as we were planning the trip. Uh, we did quite a few trips into uh, the eastern slopes of Alberta, around the Nordegg area, and uh, of course, some of the days were pretty nice. This was in the spring. Some of the days were actually pretty nice there this year. And we'd uh, on one particular ride on the way back through our planning, we ended up catching a, a full day of rain. So we decided at that point, when we got back to his place, we were pretty soaked, pretty wet, and we were just uh, realized he says, you know, the the bumper trailer idea it's a definite must if if the both of us, we, we added up what we were going to burn a day. Uh, it was going to work out to anywhere from 40 to 45, maybe $50 a day for gas for each bike. We were going to cover long distances and plus uh, also some side venture trips, and then the extra wear and tear on each bike so that we times that by two. And then pretty soon we realized, gosh, if uh, the two of us are traveling together in this pickup truck and we top off the fund, let's say, with another 25 or $35, it only meant sense or made sense to uh, take the pickup truck with this small bumper trailer where we knew we were going to get some fairly good gas mileage along the way. And like I said, what it did was it really opened up the avenues gym for us to uh, be able to just uh, pull off anywhere we wanted to stay, either out on a, on Crown Land. Uh, there's a good portion of it on the uh, western side of the United States, and of course, uh, at times we did stay at Walmart parking lots. Uh, the odd time we did stay at a at a uh, Tim Hortons or or a, what do you call it a McDonald's, and it really opened up lots of avenues. It just uh, it just made really good sense to. Uh, travel this way, give us security, uh, uh, the uh, dryness of being able to, even on the on the wet days, we knew that our gear was dry, we dried it out in the trailer, uh, we'd get on our bikes that morning, and it would be drizzling or raining a little bit, and away we'd go off to uh, picking some area into a, into a wagon wheel ride, either heading, like I said, in any direction.
0: And Don, this is, like, your, your whole adventure is totally motorcycle-focused, right? It's not like you're, you're taking along as an extra, um, it, it's planned for motorcycle travel.
1: Yes, that's yeah, it's all based on motorcycle travel. Of course, this last leg of it here is uh, visiting with relatives, but that's still part of the adventure. And then uh, sightseeing um, is, is the majority, but you're right, Jim. Uh, the, the majority of it is, is to put on some miles, uh, see some t- uh, different areas, terrains, uh, states. I, at first, I never thought that I was going to touch this many states across the way. And then all of a sudden, I realized that we'd already uh, we'd, uh, touched about 18 of them. Um, Virginia, we got into the, uh, I think it's the Appalachian and the uh, edge of the Smoky Mountains through Virginia. And wow, that really opened up, uh, opened up my mind. And I was thinking, boy, I started this venture, and I'm already on this side of North America. And I am thinking, you know, I'd be crazy not to take the opportunity to catch more of the East Coast and then circle back, uh, getting a chance to uh, cover ground, which I've touched before years ago on the, on the west coast, and also see some of the central United States, and then uh, eventually work my way back up towards Canada again. And then also, which I would uh, mentioned to you earlier by email, Jim, was that I would uh, regroup back in Alberta and then come back uh, east again to eastern Canada just to make sure that I've touched a few more of the provinces which I've been through, but never – because we had the truck and trailer uh, to um, touch a few more areas with the motorcycle, like uh, uh, Gas Bay in Quebec, uh, Prince Edward Island, and then eventually I'll uh, work my way back to Alberta. But uh, if – and time permitting, uh, I'd sure like to uh, touch a part of the Yukon and then just a tip of Alaska as well. Just to say that I've really pulled off a a full and complete North American, U.S. and Canada – motorcycle adventure but in a different form of just strictly which we talked about of just a motorcycle or using uh, the bumper trailer and we did meet people along the way Jim and uh, we talked to them and gosh you're you were right which you mentioned there earlier about uh, availability on rooms when you get to a certain location um, the weather is a definite factor and it, it really came home when we really got thinking about gosh we're so well equipped with a trailer Uh, We don't have to pack that extra gear on our bikes. It was in the trailer if we needed it for that particular day, uh, locked up and secured. So we we never had to worry about packing up camp, uh, moving on to the next spot, unload the bikes, repack again the next day. Uh, Part of the plan was maybe to stay two days, do wagon wheel rides and reload. But over the longer period of time that we traveled, we soon realized that, gosh, it would have been tough to live off of the motorcycles and with the cost of hotels.
0: Do you find that you're getting more riding time because you, like you just mentioned there about not having to pack up in the morning, you're basically coming out of the trailer, jumping on the bike and, and heading off. Is that giving you a little bit more time on the road?
1: Yes, most definitely it is. It gave us lots of time to, uh, on the wagon wheel rides, just to be able to see different areas. Um, like I said, we would started off many a times in, in the rain and of course, uh we were kind of jokingly uh, saying, gosh, you know, every time that this trailer saves us, we'll just put a mark on the outside wall. Well, within the first month of our, of our adventure, we had 30 ticks on that trailer. We ended up down at uh, Devil's Tower at, uh, I think that's Wyoming, and uh, we ended up with a uh, tornado that was very close there. Uh, once we pulled out of there... And we rode in the Black Hills in the Devil's Tower area. We were there for a week. When we finally pulled out of there, we started heading further east for the Missouri River. And uh, we ended up with storm warnings on the radio. And uh, another tornado was further south than Wyoming, another 280 miles south of us. But boy, the the rain and the water that come down with that. And boy, I said, we were just so lucky that we had the truck and trailer to cut through those. Uh, Another storm that had caught us uh, this year for the 2014 year, was the uh, hurricane that hit New York? Uh, we did a little bit of biking around in the New York area, and uh, oh, sorry, Washington area. We did some motorcycling around the Washington area, and uh, they had this big warnings about this uh, hurricane. I think it was um, Sandy. I'm not sure exactly what the name was, but it came up through New York, and we were in the trailer. Uh, it happened to be that we were staying at a Walmart parking lot, but boy, the winds were ferocious, and the rain—it was coming in all sorts of directions. So that was another real. Plus uh, the next day, clear skies, we were dry. The trailer really saved us on that venture. Uh, so yeah, it just opened up so many avenues. Uh, it said it's hard you, you, you can't set up a tent in really urban areas like cities and stuff we talked about that, like, gosh, where would we set up this tent? Well, it works great, like I said, in, in the western USA, western Canada, anywhere where you have crown lands, but as soon as you start running into urban and populated areas, well, you can't set up a tent at a Walmart. or, or a, So you got to be careful that way, but uh, as for the hard shell, like I said, it just opened up so many avenues.
0: For those that are um, listening in Europe, they may not know what the Walmart is, but the Walmart is basically a, a large department store that doesn't mind you camping. In their parking lot, which is kind of neat. Like you're saying, you go into an urban area. There's no way you're going to find a camping spot. You're forced to, to look for a hotel. But in this particular case, if you have something to camp inside, your, your trailer, you just pull it into a Walmart parking lot, park there for the night, and nobody bothers you. And usually, you'll see other people in there. I'm sure you've run into the same.
1: Yes, we had. Yeah, We met lots of people, uh, come up with some really good ideas. And uh, yes, there's usually lots of people that uh, come to these campsites or uh, Walmart parking lots and uh, other places to stay along the way. And then if uh, there were, there are some of the uh, Walmarts that they, they won't allow you to park at and uh, grocery or uh, big chains like Canadian Tires or I guess uh, down there would be, uh, oh, I can't even remember the name of them, but they, they don't permit parking. But with the hard shell trailer, another plan, and we'd used it as well, was just pulled into an urban area or residential area, and then we could unload the bikes. Um, you're allowed to park on the street for, uh, anywhere from two to three days in most, uh, cities in the States. And we just, uh, unload the bikes and then we could just, uh, freelance from there. So yeah, a place for the trailer. It worked out great. Newfoundland, when we got to Newfoundland, wow, I would have never thought it was like that, uh. We'd we'd finally seen our first icebergs. So we got very excited, the, the character that I was traveling with. And uh, we pulled into one person's yard, and I said, well, geez, I'm sorry that we uh, pulled into your yard. We'd love to get a picture of the iceberg. And he jokingly said, well, if you want to, you can take it home with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have room for an iceberg in the trailer, Jim. So we said, no, we just want to get some pictures, and we'll be on our way. Uh, hospitality in Newfoundland, it's, it's bar none. I, I, always, I can't stress enough. That The, the folks and the hospitality on the, what they call the rock is, 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 is one like no other. He says, if you want to, he says, just pull up by the log mill and you can camp here overnight. We said, oh, no, the, the person in the house next door, he doesn't want us camp here. He says, this is Newfoundland. He says, you can just sleep anywhere you want. Well, the next time uh, we'd run into that same hospitality it was at a gas station. Uh, there was a, uh, a place for an RV. I think they only wanted $39 to stay at the RV park. And he says, well, if you want to, he says, you can stay in the gas station parking lot with your, your truck and trailer and unload and do your wagon wheel rides. I said, well, where would you like us to park? He says, well, just pick something that's flat and anywhere you want. So, oh, it was just fantastic. Nice. I, I just, I'd, I'd love to do Newfoundland again. And that is on my agenda. Again, not this year on this ride, but I most definitely would suggest that I would do it and that, that others would do Newfoundland as well.
0: Yeah, and the great thing about, uh, one thing I was going to mention about uh, running with the trailer, too, is that you're extending your season. You're, you're able to ride in places where most of us are fleeing from, and you're pushing the weather, like even now, being in Ontario at the end of November, and still able to, if the weather's right, jump on your bike and get out there and ride.
1: Yes, that is correct. Like uh, today, uh, it's uh, oh, it would be plus four here. Yesterday, or two days ago, it was plus 15 here, of all things. Uh, we just finished uh, having a snowstorm that, uh, I think about, a, yeah, I guess it would be a week ago. Uh, Buffalo, South Buffalo, had just uh, encountered uh, two metres of snow in some areas in the south part of Buffalo. Uh, we received anywhere from eight to ten inches of snow here in London, Ontario. And I was sure that the, the motorcycle was going to, it was parked. I, I figured that's it. The, the season's over. Uh, I can do some other things before I continue on my trip. And then, uh, about two days after that big snowstorm, uh, it had rained, it warmed up. Like I said, it got into the uh, plus 15 Celsius here. Uh, all the snow is gone, just very small skiffs of snow uh, remain in the ditches and in the low lying areas. But as for the snow that's in the trees, it's gone. So, and then today is, uh, like I said, it's a cloudy, overcast, really light winds, and it's in that plus six again, but definitely. Uh, motorcycle season is uh, can continue on. Forecast again is for more snow coming up. But uh, yeah, I've always remember being online and watching that uh, there was people in uh, the Toronto, the city of Toronto, that were motorcycling uh, right up to the December area, the southern Ontario pocket. We're pretty well parallel with the north part of uh, Northern California. We are so far south here, so we receive those temperatures. Well, maybe not so much from there because of the Arctic uh, flow of air that uh, drifts down here. But, yeah, southern Ontario definitely uh, has an extended motorcycle season, not like some parts of Canada.
0: Well, I guess coming from Alberta, in comparison, you're not riding. What, what, what yeah, dates do you yeah. ride up to on average in Alberta?
1: Usually in Alberta, the, I guess I was on, online on our uh, motorcycle forum, and it sounded like the, most of the guys had parked their bikes around uh the, the pretty close to about the third week in September, it seemed like, looking at the form. and uh,
0: September right on through until when? It's going to have to be, what, June?
1: Yep, it would be, well, I guess, uh, yeah, June would be a good part. May, it seems like every time we get moving in Alberta, uh, we always usually call uh, May 24th uh, another skiff of snow in Alberta, but then it usually melts off. So, yep, the, the, I guess it would be April, May. Yeah, about the beginning part of June would be, a, again, a good start or a safe start but that's not saying that uh we we haven't seen the odd snow drift in even in in the beginning parts of june in alberta off the mountains
0: wow there you go so you have to um you have to really have some respect for albertans to be able to last that long without riding their motorcycles how far are you into your 400 day journey now
1: i'm about uh six months into the trip so far and then uh it's, it's uh, like I said, it will be about February, the uh, beginning part of February, when I'll uh, load the, uh, the the writing partner I was traveling with. He's already returned back to uh, Alberta. Uh, he's as well a U.S. traveler. So uh, he wanted to make sure he didn't run out of traveling days. We're allowed to leave our province in Canada for seven months, but you're only really allowed, which I found out, you're only really allowed to be in the States for six months at a time. Of course, uh, beginning on January, the 1st, is the start of a new uh, calendar year, so you're good to go. Uh, He returned back to Alberta. That way he could uh, have some days left over, so he'd be able to uh, continue on his ventures into the States, and he'll probably work his way down into Arizona when his... uh, days are open that he can travel back down into the states so yeah mine will get underway uh from here uh february the the first or second for sure i'll start on my way down and then uh, i'm going to zigzag and take my time i i I, like said the nice thing about uh the the truck and the bumper trailer and the motorcycle is even if there's snow on the ground there's going to be spots where i will be able to unload and ride Uh, i was hoping to be able to catch some of the areas down to the uh Appalachian Mountains and little parts along the edges of the Smoky Mountains. Of course, being February, it could be snow. Uh, buffalo is uh, now melted off, but I, I won't do any riding in Buffalo. I've already uh, we've already toured um, New York State, and uh, in that part on the East Coast. So then I can work my way further south. But then there's a uh, 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 North Carolina and South Carolina. And of course there's going to be places where i'll be able to uh, unload my motorcycle along the uh, coastline and yes it's it's cold in the morning uh, pretty cold for tenting there won't be any other tenters down there but i'll uh, be able to uh, do a little bit of motorcycling there being from alberta i've had a i've been very lucky to uh, have an opportunity to uh, pull off lots of rubber tired uh, rubber tired motorcycle rides uh, once in a while we'll end up with the warm schnooks down by calgary alberta Uh, races along the eastern slopes of the mountains and these warm chinooks will blow in and clear off the highways and I've been very fortunate to be able to pull off some of these uh, motorcycle smaller day trips or two day trips in the uh, eastern slopes of Alberta and then a little bit of practice of riding on uh, glare ice with rubber tires and uh, so I've had my experience with snow and and riding in the winter but it's not super it's not really enjoyable not like uh, being able to travel down into the states where it's warmer Like I said, I'm in my mids. I guess I'm 51 years old, and I'm starting to enjoy warmer weather now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, finding the same thing, that the the ground is also getting a little lumpier. Don, let's talk about, um, I was just wondering for the technical aspects of it for people who are interested in doing this themselves, because you can't tow multiple vehicles in all provinces, or I'm not sure about the state's. Meaning that, uh, you know, if you've got your truck and your trailer and then you're towing another trailer afterwards. So how are you working with that? What are you loading your bikes onto?
1: We picked the uh, simple idea. We uh, have a, or I guess I have the pickup truck. It's a long box uh, pickup truck. And then we put the two motorcycles right in the box. And then uh, we use motorcycle ramps for loading and unloading or back up to areas that are uh, steep enough for grade so we don't end up uh, falling off. Used a couple of smaller bikes, uh, KLR650s. could have used bigger bikes as well, but uh, I guess the plan was was to pick something that's mid-sized bikes. And then uh, once we had the bikes loaded, we'd just back up, uh, pin onto the trailer, and pretty much ready to go. Every time we were uh, done using the trailer, we always put stuff away so we are ready to go and uh when we got to an area we traveled uh very frugal and actually we were so frugal that we actually had to buy a few supplies on the road like a uh, a pancake flipper and a can opener because uh, our plan was was to bring our just like we were going to tent so i call it the 88 pound pack and we we both of us had our hockey bags they worked out to 88 pounds Uh, we had a little portable stove just in case we planned on staying in the tents, and uh, the trailer was pretty much empty. We had a, a small pot and a small pan, so we had to buy just a, a few small supplies along the way to uh, top off the trailer, but uh, yeah, it's most definitely, Jim, it's the, is a, a freelance uh, way to travel. Our, our plan was, like I said, what you'd mentioned earlier, uh, had asked, was uh, the wagon wheel rides, and it just opened up so many avenues. Uh, we'd have a good night's sleep wake up, uh, cook our own breakfast, uh, clean up, uh, make our lunches, and then lead, depart from the trailer in any direction we wanted. And it just, like I said, just uh, opens up a whole new avenue. Uh, if we were tired that day, we'd take a, a day off or half a day. If we wanted to ride in the evening, we could go ride in the evening, come back to our trailer. We never had to worry about booking a hotel or setting up a tent. It's just so freelance to, to be able to just come and go as we, as we we as we chose.
0: Don, when planning for this trip, you found something really valuable in accessing local forums for the places that you wanted to visit. And uh, I know that you are active in your own local forum in, in Alberta, but you found something very valuable in looking at other local forums that you otherwise would not look at. Can tell us more about that.
1: Well, it's, uh, like I said, uh, when I started, it was in 2011 that I'd met the um, characters, uh, the, the folks with the Alberta Dual Sport, and it really accelerated from there. After joining these, uh, this small group, uh, I've, we ended up having group rides, uh, tech days, coffee nights, and and a bonding with folks of the same interest. Uh, these small motorcycle forms, they help in our area for many reasons, Jim. They uh, open up so many uh, avenues to find uh, local information. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier, the ADV rider site, just absolutely fantastic. Lots of people frequent that. Uh, I've been on that site many a times and lots of, the Harley owners group, my friend is a, a friend of the, or is, is on the Harley's owners group and I've accessed information from there. But these are large, uh, wide variety sites and also helpful for information. But as we were traveling along, uh, I noticed that even in our Alberta DualSport.ca form, uh, people would uh, log on and they'd ask for information for rides in our province of uh, Alberta and also parts of uh, British Columbia and also in Saskatchewan. And Alberta DualSport is a bunch of uh, riders of like-minded uh, interests. So the variety of information we could get from these uh, local small forms is just fantastic. So, And I got thinking the same thing uh, when we hit the road that, gosh, we, we had our laptops with us, our smartphones. We could access information. Uh, one we found for sure was Newfoundland, uh, Ride, Ride the Rock Farm. Oh, just a vast pile of information on, on trails and places to go. Uh, New Brunswick, uh, we uh, ended up riding with the uh, Crusaders 74. Uh, we found their webpage and met many of the members on a four-day stayover at their uh, own clubhouse. I didn't realize that New Brunswick and Nova Scotia uh, their motorcycle groups, they seem to be their clubs, I guess. Uh, our Alberta Dual Sport is just a uh, web, open web forum. We're not a club or nothing. But the uh, Crusaders, yeah, they have their own uh, club, and they had their own clubhouse. We stayed on at their property uh, with a bumper trailer. They had a campsite there of all things. And uh, this year, uh, they had the Horizons Unlimited come and stay there with them. They had a Horizons Unlimited meeting there just before they had the open club meet for the four-day ride. And I was surprised how many people showed up with holiday trailers and tent trailers, uh, motorcycles with uh, the smaller tent trailer showed up there. And then here we pulled in, and we just happened to be right in the, uh, the the middle ground. We didn't have the big, big trailer, and we don't didn't have the small one, but we did have a beautiful trailer. Uh, the, the web form also, these smaller web forms, are they're just fantastic. Uh, one other one that I'd used uh, was the Northern Ontario Top 30 Motorcycle Rides by Mike Jacobs. Uh, I was able to pull off 15 rides uh, throughout Ontario here, Algonquin Park, lots of the trails along the uh, southern uh, tip here of Ontario. Uh, The Grand River, found the Grand River ride online. Uh, Didn't chat with anybody online, but I found this information for rides. Another good one that I'm using right now is uh, bestbikingroads.com, 77 motorcycle rides in Florida. And wow, I found that webpage and then I started covering it. Uh, They posted GPS files of maps. Showing different roads through uh, Florida and uh, through the uh, uh, Everglades, through some of those uh, parks down there, and I just, while wow, it really opens up, to, I just, I just can't stress enough how much uh, being a, a, a active member or even a, a participant in a local form, and how much difference it really makes to a, a one person's. Uh, mind and uh the drive it gives you I, I i'm very passionate about uh i guess you can hear that in my voice i'm very passionate about motorcycle uh, adventures just your uh adventure rider radio like wow a fantastic tool for all of us to listen to uh, it just opens up so many avenues and ideas and much like uh, the idea i guess that i've brought to you and uh, the listeners uh of the uh, bumper trailer uh, pickup truck and a motorcycle to open up ideas on more wagon wheel rides.
0: Well, you bring up two r- really good points, I think, with the the local forums. You know, you can join a local forum. And what that does is that gets you in, in touch, as you said, with um, local things that are going on. You're getting together to do tech days. You're getting together for local rides and, and the camaraderie of, of people around you. And it's really nice to, you know, find a way to get into that community that's right around you. And often, especially in Canada, where we're so spaced out, you could find that, you know, you're 15, 20, 30 miles from uh, the next person who's into the same thing. But through that forum, you manage to pull together. And then the re- other real and interesting aspect is you researching a trip and going into those forums, because I understand what you're saying about, you know, you go to a big forum like uh, Horizons Unlimited or ADV Rider, and there's just loads of knowledge there. And, and, and these people have traveled through, you know, all these different areas. But to get some real intimate knowledge of a local area. When you go into that local forum where these guys are doing day trips all throughout the summer in their local area, that is a real nugget of information to find. That That is a um, just a, an incredible resource, as, as you've said, and you're using that to, to do your entire trip, which sounds like a, a fantastic tool for people when they're doing trip planning.
1: Most definitely is. Like I said, it's just opened up so many avenues. Uh, we could go on to uh, one of these small base forums uh, even myself uh, being here uh, in Ontario right now on my trip, I still frequent my albertadualsport.ca form. I frequent that anywhere from uh, three to ten times a day, always watching for people that might throw up posts. One of our uh, folks that are on our forum has just moved to Vancouver. He just replied on, on with a thread that he'd uh, uh, landed in Vancouver. He's moved out there, and I quickly, I was probably the first one onto him, and I said, oh, right on. I hope that you get a chance to do the Harrison Hot Springs area. Uh, the lake on both sides. I'm very uh, familiar with uh, BC. I had 14 years of snowmobiling throughout most of uh, British Columbia. So I said, make sure you catch that Harrison Hot Springs area. And then being that you're in Vancouver, you're very close to Whistler, Pemberton. There's a cut across from Pemberton uh, up to uh, Gold Bridge. And I said, that is just a vast, endless amount of logging roads and trails up there. Uh, you, you yourself, Jim, like I said, you, you're from that BC area, so you probably know this well in your areas. And like I said, when people can touch base with a, with a person that's in that area. Wow. It just, and the, you get instant feedback. That's what I find about these small forms. It seemed like uh, when we would log on to a small form, uh, we would shut off uh, go for an afternoon ride, and then I just click on that form just, you know, jokingly to think, gosh, you know, nobody's going to reply to my request, like, what am I going to see in Cody, Wyoming, and wow, I would click on that, and all of a sudden, you know, there'd be two or three uh, folks saying, hey, get yourself over to this road, or there's this trail over here, and oh, sh- you'll you'll love to see this area, and go ride this mountain range, and oh, I just opened up, and it's such fast replies, and that, that, that's uh, the real plus to, uh, I guess, being part of a local local uh, smaller form is that and it would be nice if uh, I guess we could spend that time to uh, find them that's that's part of the trick but uh, usually like I said we just the search engine on today's computers is fantastic so you just dial in the state or the province you're looking for and up pops these web forms I also found an adventure dual sport form for Ontario but the majority of those rides are up in the northern part of Ontario not so much down in the populated area on the panhandle down where I am. What are you searching for when you're looking for the local forums? Uh, Usually I'm looking for adventure rides and then not so much the the tech stuff because uh, I don't really need a hand with anything. But if I did need a a local hand with, oh, let's say setting valves or uh, having trouble finding a certain product or uh, a part or a motorcycle dealership, of course uh, the the people on these small forums will say, you know, they've had a really good experience here, stop and see these folks. But uh, the majority of information I'm looking for is uh, rides. Uh, places to go, uh, things to see, um, that kind of stuff, and uh, that's what really uh, we found. Like said with uh, uh, the Crusaders, uh, we 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 spent four days with those guys. We found them online. Uh, we stayed with them for four days. They they took us out. They ventured us around in their area in New Brunswick called. Um, I'm just trying to think of the name of that area there. Oh, out uh, in Annapolis Valley, and they toured us around Annapolis Valley, and while we've seen sites and things that we would have just normally passed by. Um, There was an old uh, Navy academy, uh, military academy that's now abandoned with lots of white buildings. We would have never known what it really was except that it was something to do. But they explained to us uh, what year it got started, um, the academic uh, training and courses for the uh, people that are cadets and stuff, and also in the military. A lot of uh, people from eastern Canada had uh, been to this Annapolis area uh, academy. So yeah, we just find out this information about particular little areas and spots along the way. And uh, just fantastic to think that uh, you would find this on a a couple of clicks of the web.
0: And nothing beats getting a hold of people who are doing those, like I said, the local day trips where they're going and exploring because they'll spend the hours and hours writing the, the maybe not so interesting stuff and the real nuggets that you are interested in is going through. And uh, as a new person to the area, Don, when you're, um, when you're talking about checking out these forums, are you just searching as you go? Like, you know, you're just arriving in a place and going, Hey, I'll, I'll search this area or is this all done in advance while you're planning your trip?
1: Well, I guess we started off at the majority of it was, it was just as we would land and then we would uh, jump online and then start to look around. But, now that I've got this time and I'm starting to realize the importance of these forms, I'm, I'm doing some in advance. So I, I'm doing Florida and I'll do some up along uh, through uh, the Texas area through there, but definitely I'll do some in advance of Arizona as well as I work my way to the uh, Western uh, North America there on the Western side. So I'll do some pre in advance, but at any moment I can just stop and knowing when I found these forms that I can always click back on them and get instant feedback uh, another one that I was on years and years ago was the uh, DRZ form, uh, which is a little Suzuki 400 motorcycle. And a lot of those characters are all throughout the uh, United States, but uh, there's a good portion of them in the Las Vegas area. Well, being that I'm in uh, Arizona and Nevada as a hop, skip and a jump away, I'll definitely click back on there because uh, I have the chromatomy of, of chatting with these guys online over the last couple of years over just uh, technical information on this motorcycle. But theoretically, they, they probably know me by my name. And if I click back on that site, they'll remember that I'm the, I'm the Canadian guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking for information. And I bet you I will meet some of them uh, as well. Same as, like I said, the Crusaders and other folks from other uh, forums that I've been on. And ADV Rider, actually, I was surprised how many, uh, we were in a parking lot, and a person pulled up on a Euro motorcycle, and the first thing I said to him is, do you do you log on to ADV Rider? And he says, yeah, and he told us who he was, and uh, I can't remember now offhand, I'd have to go back to my books and journals, but how many people are also touched by the bigger forums And uh, and just how it all seems to work out, I just absolutely love, I like all the forums that I'm in, but I really appreciate the small ones because they just have that, like I said, that connection that you talked about and that bonding, a chance to actually meet face-to-face. That's, like I said, I guess I'm really passionate about our .ca forum because uh, it just brought on a whole new way of me meeting uh, new friends. And people of like I said that have the same interest in rides, and like I said these tech days it just adds up for so many so many pluses just to be active now there's lots of people on our forum that are, are they they're silent they're more uh, web browsers, they just love to look. But when we have these group rides, one in the spring, you know, one in the fall, I was surprised actually how many it uh, brings out the one fall ride we had seventy nine showed up for it on uh, dual sport motorcycles with uh, 1,200-cc BMWs right on down to uh, little 200-cc DRZs. And away we go, uh, leave a a city, take some gravel roads. uh, uh, We break into different groups. Some go do some sand pits. uh, Some do the highways, and we all meet up for lunch at uh, another little hamlet, and that's our day's ride. But uh, a great way to meet people with, uh, with the passion of traveling by motorcycle.
0: Don, have you checked out the TCAT trail? Now, for those listening that are not from Canada or maybe even in Canada, you may not know about the TCAT trail. It's a Trans-Canada Adventure Trail. It was put together by a, uh, a group of people who have done an amazing job. And it's it's online. It's a free download for the, the waypoints for your GPS. And it's this trail right across every province. It's the same sort of thing as a backcountry discovery route in the United States. And um, an amazing way to go through areas and be guided by your GPS. Have you got onto the TCAT at all?
1: actually I've, i'm very lucky that uh it's actually twice now that i've been on it part of the uh T-cat trail i'd uh, pulled off last year it was uh snowing in alberta and i headed to uh, bc ended up in uh, the okanagan valley and i was able to pull off a, a few a little piece of the uh, kettle valley railroad which is the uh, trans canada trail and uh, also caught little pieces and little legs of it so, some is uh, of course restricted to motorcycle travel because of the urban areas and And a lot of it is opened as well for uh, quads, snowmobiles and and uh, horses, pedal bikes, um, foot traffic. So yeah, there's big portions of it. And I got lucky to catch some of it there. And I thought, oh, I guess that's really the only place that I'll uh, see it. And I never, and I'm glad you bring that up that t- to log on to that site because uh, that most definitely will. Uh, when we were in Newfoundland, uh, when we were coming back from after the two-week stint in Newfoundland on the rock, uh, we were talking to a person, and he says, yeah, you can pull up to North Sydney with a quad, load the quad on the ferry, and then once you unload at um, oh, Port Abbas, you can ride your quad off the ferry, get right onto the Trans-Canada Trail, and ride all across Newfoundland. The the rail, the rail small-gauge railroads uh, ripped up in Newfoundland, and it's all opened up. I think it was something like 824 Uh, kilometers on the Trans-Canada Trail. In certain sections, as we were doing the, uh, I call it the four corners of Newfoundland. Actually, it's anywhere from 11, 12 to 11 corners of Newfoundland. There's lots of points and bays and coolies. At certain points, we were actually on the Trans-Canada Trail and wow, it's just uh, fantastic. And I could see where it's easy travel for uh, the adventure uh, dual sport motorcycles. Uh, there was a few quads out there. Uh, lots of side-by-sides are showing up out on these trails. But, yeah, I've been on parts of it. And, and thank you again for mentioning that to uh, be able to uh, look at more of that because I realize that there are some uh, pieces here in uh, southern Ontario and as well up in the northern part that are uh, a part of this uh, trail.
0: Yeah, it's fairly new for Canada. I'm not sure when it was established, but it's fairly new. Um, but it's uh, it's great fun. It's it's nice to check out those different sections when you go into to new places. Well, I think the local forums are an excellent uh, planning tool uh, to be be thrown in with part of your planning when you're looking at doing trips anywhere for that matter. And and Don, I'm really glad you came on here and uh, made us aware of it, you know, bring it up as a planning tool. It's great to be in the forum itself and then use other forums that you're not a, a local for as your planning tool for your adventures. In a way, Don, you're not really just someone who's out for a short vacation because, you don't have a home to go back to at this point, do you?
1: No, I sold off everything. Uh, I sold my house, uh, sold my uh, snowmobiles, quads. Uh, I kept one fishing rod. I, I enjoy still stopping by a creek to throw a fishing line. Uh, boat gone. So, no, I just, uh, I just went with a new model called less is more. It seems like when we have less, we enjoy the little bit of stuff, we enjoy it more. Uh, I, when I was 16 years old, and uh, I had the motorcycle when I got 18 years old. I, I got into the uh, cat operating of uh, rock crushing and building roads in Alberta. And, of course, I wasn't going to work on this motorcycle, so I bought a really good pickup truck and then got into hunting and fishing like most folks do and then started uh, expanding and getting bigger and going in different avenues and hunting and fishing. And, of course, we buy a boat, and <laughs> snowmobiles, lots of toys, and we accumulate lots of stuff. And then just one day, I don't know what it was. I just uh, My house was a heck of a mess. I had cars i was rebuilding cars and rebuilding trucks and mechanically and not a very good mechanic and uh, building uh i got into big game hunting so i was making my own bullets and uh, making my own fishing gear and i was just doing way too much and then just one day i woke up and i said whoa whoa whoa, i I need to organize myself so i cut myself down to a few hobbies and that was easy to do and then once i went from a few hobbies i just said to myself you know what i really need to scale this back and and just pick pick something that, that really catches my interest and i got thinking back Gosh, something that's easy on my body, uh, easy to do and enjoyable is uh, a motorcycle. So I, I sold off the, the firearms, uh, got rid of the boat, uh, got rid of all the cars of the some. I was thinking of the someday was going to happen, and I just got rid of all that stuff, and I just lightened myself up. And the, the motto I come up with was less is more. And wow, it just opened up so many. Uh, it put me into this motorcycle and traveling. I'm out there gathering information, but not product, not stuff I can touch. Stuff inside my head. Like I said, uh, uh, we went and we did went to some uh, museums and stuff. But the stuff I really enjoy is uh, kind of a Newfoundland or a, a BC thing: is rocks, lakes, and trees. I, I really enjoy that stuff. I can make my own plan, uh, do do my own thing, and it just opens up so many avenues.
0: Well, Don, you've presented a couple of great things here for listeners, um, one being the travel by trailer and and carrying your bikes with you and doing the wagon wheel rides. And of course, the other one is doing the research using local forums, which I think is just an invaluable tool. Thanks very much for coming on Adventure Rider Radio.
1: Well, thank you very much, Jim. Well,
0: I've been speaking with Don Parsons from Alberta, Canada, who's about halfway through his 400 day journey traveling by motorcycle, pickup truck and camper. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break to thank a couple of sponsors to help bring this episode to you today. But when we come back, I got the rest of our story and some tips for you. Stay with us. The other day I was making a turnaround in, in an area where it's starting to get real dry now because summer is here and we've had some real dry weather. Uh, a rock rolled up underneath the, the front tire, very tight turn, lots of deep sand and gravel and uh, it skidded the front tire over took out the front end and the bike went down when i stood it up i see the pegs jammed in from all the sand and gravel i give it a hoof it flops back down i get back on the bike and go and i was thinking you know i wouldn't even remember that that was an ims peg if i didn't have them as a, as a sponsor for the show because they just do their job i never worry about them from one ride to the next i count on those foot pegs i count on what they do for me they keep my feet in place they're extremely tough all the features of a great product and a great product I think is one you bolt on and forget about you don't even worry about it you don't have to mess with it because it does what it's supposed to do have a look at what I'm talking about imsproducts.com is the website they have a full line of adventure motorcycle pegs right from the big platforms for those who like a really large platform right on down to the rally pegs the smaller ones uh, with sharper teeth on them imsproducts.com make sure you tell them you heard them here on adventure rider radio when you're talking to them Summer is here, at least for North America, so you should be trip planning, either a long trip or a short trip. It's time to get out there and explore. I can give you a tip. British Columbia, Canada, has so much amazing riding and incredible places to visit. I know I'm biased, of course, because this is where I am right now, but there's a town in British Columbia that you need to add to your visit list. It's in southern British Columbia called Beaverdale. Beaverdale is a motorcyclist destination because it's the home of the Red Rock Garage. And the Red Rock Garage itself has become known as a motorcycle destination. Why? Because it's a small coffee shop with a motorcycle addiction. The Red Rock Garage is known for not only having the best coffee and the cleanest washrooms around, but they also have a B&B and a campground for traveling motorcyclists. It's a great place to base camp from and explore some of the amazing roads and trails in the area. And they're motorcyclists, obviously. That's why they're here on Adventure Rider Radio. The website is redrockgarage.ca. That CA means Canada, right? It's a Canadian website. redrockgarage.ca. Make sure when you're talking to them, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. So as I promised, we've got some travel tips for you. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened, at least up to where we are now in our adventure. Um, We found a camping spot. We decided to look around and find out if we could find information about the transmission problem we were having, to find a transmission shop, which we did. And then we decided to limp our way um, by using a a method to to get the transmission to re-engage all the way from where we were, another, I think, 200 kilometers back, to a town where there was a transmission shop which has a very good reputation from the research that we've done we came back here i mean these these people are, are great they had us come back here and they said whenever you get here you know they'll they'll deal with it we showed up we, we spent oh, i think uh, six hours uh, five hours i think it was uh, five hours getting the distance it should have taken us a couple hours i guess And because we kept having to stop because of the transmission problem, we finally get here. The place is called First Class Transmission. It's in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Class is spelled with a K. Um, These people are incredible. They've got the Jeep in the shop. We're now in our trailer that's sitting inside their enclosed pen, which is like a graveled area with a bunch of vehicles parked in here with barbed wire around it and a, and a gate that slides closed that they lock at night. They've hooked us up with power. We're sitting here with our dogs. Uh, I mean, and we're we're totally fine here. While well, they're going to finish the Jeep. I don't even, I'm not sure if they have even started it tonight, but they'll be working on it in the morning. And with any luck, we're going to be out of here by tomorrow afternoon. You know, we'll, we'll be ready to go. So, that's where we sit in our adventure so far. But I, I'm going to tell you something I, I've, before I give you the tips. I, my, my first thing that I wanted to say was that if you see somebody post something on social media looking for help, saying that, you know that that um, they're they're broken down here and they're wondering if anyone knows someone in the area that, that is good to call, which is basically what we did. We we posted to see if whether there was any recommendations of someone who could handle this type of repair in that area, but. Don't go back to them and say, hey, it's all part of the adventure. Everything's going to be OK, you know, because in that moment when someone's feeling the pinch of trouble, those are not the words they want to hear. And they're not useful. They're, they're not they're, they're not useful in any way. Only say something if you can actually add something to the the um, what's going on, you know. So and, and I don't mean just words of encouragement. I mean, although that's good, but really you should only have something in there if you can you know, actually help somebody just be supportive I guess at the very least but but certainly give information that can help and um, anyway so for for tips so one thing that one tip that we we came up with that we think is is very important this is Elizabeth and I sitting and talking about this was pay attention to what's behind you and what's up ahead situational awareness you know like understand or have a try and get a concept of what towns or cities are before and after you, so that if you do have a breakdown, you have at least an idea of where you are and what sort of distance, roughly, of uh, it is to a major town or city. And then, and maybe when you're going through these places, you might want to pay attention. What size is it? Um, is there a chance that there would be, a, you know, a repair shop that you would need, or or the parts would be available? Um, or you might be able to get shit something shipped there. It's just sort of things you just sort of pay attention the whole time you're going, rather than just riding along or driving along and and, um, and not worrying about it. And by the way, if, if you hear some noises, it's because we're we're here in this lot and the tarps are flopping outside from things that are covered and whatnot. Anyway, so another tip: try to be flexible on your schedule. We um we regularly go back and forth, as I mentioned. We we don't have a schedule except for the show that we put out. And uh, we, we try not to, to book things. We, we, we don't give exact dates and times that we're going to be somewhere. That really adds stress. And when we put that stuff in that container and then all of a sudden we have this deadline to pick up that container at the other end and the transmission started to act up in the Jeep, that just adds more stress to us. So try and avoid that. Try and avoid anything that's going to stick you to a fixed schedule. I know there's some things you can't avoid. There'll be some visas that you can't avoid, um, some dates on those visas where you'll have to be at places at specific times. There might be flights you have to book. Yeah, okay, that's in there. You might want to book some extra time in there, plan some extra time in there, because I think a big problem that people make, uh, or a big mistake people make, is um, thinking that everything's going to be a, a sale from one place to the next. Things happen, you know? Another tip is roadside insurance. If you can get it, it's invaluable. I mean, it's not available everywhere, but you can if you're traveling within your own country and and maybe even outside of your country, depending on which one. Because I think ours ours is valid in 160 other countries. I think is what they say, or 162 other countries. So um, it's worthwhile to look at some roadside insurance because just being able to pick up the phone or, or get a hold of somebody and say tow the vehicle and not having to worry about um, dealing with arranging that. There, there's some sort of, well, it's insurance, right? There, there's some sort of comfort in that because it's not just the money, it's finding a person that isn't going to take advantage of you. And usually if you're using a roadside assistance program, they have a reputation and they have a, a certain working relationship with the, uh, with the roadside assistance company. Now, the other one is um, make connections. If you, if you have a problem or, or you need help, Get on that local forum. Uh, try and find somebody locally that you can connect with. Tell them what your problem is, and, and I'm not saying looking for freebies I, I, or, or you know looking for for someone to rescue you, but someone to someone local who can say, hey, I know so and so at this shop, they're really good, or I, I know someone who does shipping, or whatever the case is. Try posting on Horizons Unlimited, um, which has an international following. Um, again, not to ask for financial aid or anything like that, but to ask for recommendations, connections because it's it's all about connections when you're trying to sort some things out. And and above all else, this is our last one here, keep your cool. <laughs> and and this like I said to you before about wilderness training, this works in the wilderness, this works on the road. When the sky is falling and your world is falling apart, keep your cool because you're useless unless you can think rationally, unless you have that cognitive thought process where you can sit down, and you can say okay, These are my options. This is what I have here, and and these are the different plans of action that I can put into play here that will that will save me from her or get me out of the situation I'm in. Keeping your cool is super important. It's difficult because it can be very very stressful when something goes wrong, and you you tend to feel alone, you tend to feel sort of uh, you know just completely out of your element. But it's really important to keep your head and do what you know what you would do in the wilderness. Empty your pack, look at your bike, look at the things that you have available to you um, as far as your roadside assistance or or what you might be able to arrange. Keep your cool, look at your options and work through, pick the one that's best for you. And that's about it. That's what the tips we've got for you. And here we are recording at the back of First Class Transmissions, Salmon Arm, British Columbia. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Also, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com, Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com, and Moto Breeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com. Hey, you do us a great favor if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime you see them anywhere, you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you've enjoyed it much more than we've enjoyed the past week. Special thanks to First Class Transmissions in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Elizabeth, our producer, you, the listener, thank you very much for being there. Well, now it's time to get out there and ride your bike, if you can. Which I was doing tonight because that's all I have to move around with is my bike, and I went around and picked up the supplies we needed. It was great riding in the in the town here of Salmon Arm. My name is Jim Martin. See you next week.
1: This is Chris, the Blind Scooter Guy, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.